Hey, Comment Thread. Ryan Smith here. Hope you guys are doing well. I'm taking a break from some of these podcasts. Um, getting back into it. This kind of uh, next next week, we're actually going to start a new series. I'm excited about it. Share a little bit more with you um, later on this week. Um, but I want to do this podcast because this is <clears throat> what we talked about this past Sunday. One of my favorite parables. Um, but also one that I think has had the most impact on me as a person, as a minister, as a follower of Christ, um, and just with my own deconstruction of faith and also the reconstruction of how I see God. And <clears throat> so I wanted to kind of talk about this. The prodigal son, one we've talked about several times, I understand. Um, but I want to rehit it because it is core to who we are as people and I think where we're going. And uh, as you remember, it's a story about uh, the, the guy, the kid who comes to his dad and says, hey, I want everything. I want it all. And um his dad gives it to him, and he runs off, and he, uh, you know, spends it, spends it all, and then there's the famine, and then he ends up getting a job. You know, he's trying to find jobs, and he ends up working with pigs, and he's eating pig slop, and he realizes he remembers his dad's servants is do better than he's doing, so he's like, "I'm going home, even though I'm not worthy." And um, his dad takes him and all that kind of stuff. You know, we we, we get this story. Um, there's things inside this story that I think are so powerful um, from all three characters that I want us to wrestle with today. Um, but most importantly, I think there's this this story um, of of the son and his identity. But I do want to point out this. I want us to remember um, where this story comes from. Um, is that this is in Luke 15, and uh, Jesus is uh, is hanging out with some people, and this 15 one through two. Um, it says this, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Remember, we've talked about this before, the idea that tax collectors and sinners, these are the, the vilest of vile people, right? These are the ones that, that uh, the church people um, just love to talk about, love to um, to spit their name out and, and say whatever, you know, they give themselves permission to talk bad about them because they are the evilest of evil, Right? And so Jesus is sitting around, and it's amazing that they're there. Um, and I think that just already speaks uh, tons about who Jesus is. But it says, But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. This man is obviously Jesus. And 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 so after they make this statement, right, this idea that he welcomes them, which means that he makes them part of their home, his home, part of his family, part of his entourage, and he eats with them, that he has table fellowship with them, that, that he, in doing so, this is like he gives his stamp of approval, that these are legit people in life. And the fairies are like, Pharisees are like, there's no way if he's a true church guy, if he's a true spiritual leader, then he would not be with these people. And Jesus proceeds to tell three parables. You know, we have the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then the parable of the lost son. But this is where... Um, this is where we need to remember this whole story is that who he's talking to, uh, to, to, you know, he's talking to the Pharisees to share what he is about, but also want to encourage you to think about he's also, no, he also knows those tax collectors and sinners. They're right there listening as well. How is he going to respond, you know, when someone comes up to the lunch table and says, how dare you eat with this nerd, you know, and, and the guy's got to choose. What's he going to say? Is he going to call this guy a nerd as well? Or is he going to stand up for him, right? That age-old uh, classic 80s movie thing going on. But um, before we get into that, 
we we recognize first the, the younger son, the son who does this, and and in doing this, you know, the son takes the money and he goes off to a foreign land. And it just says that he spends it, and we can imagine how he spends the money, probably on you know drugs, alcohol, women, all everything that he could do, all the luxuries of life, and probably lived a life that was something he'd never done before. Um, it went to the extreme, to the far extreme where he lost it all. And in losing it, he, he also, I would imagine, loses his identity, right? Because he he's eating with pigs. His self, self-worth self has gone out the door. And so much so that he can't even, he can't even fathom what it would mean for his dad to take him back. That he, he is so... Uh, done such the vilest of things that there's no way, there's no way he'd be welcome back, but maybe he could be a slave to it because that's better than nothing. And so then we have the the imagery where the father sees uh, the son coming down the road and it says the father runs back to him. We'll talk about that here in a second. In this next passage, um, you know, he says, he says, you know, dad, dad, and he gives him the, the spiel. He says, I'm not worthy to be called. I'm not your son. You know, I just want to be back here and, and serve you. And this is the father's response to him. He says, But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. And then he says this, For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found so they began to celebrate. And in that one sentence, the father speaks into the son and gives the son new identity, a refreshed identity, a new way to see himself. The first thing he says is, for this son of mine. And in that moment, the father looks at his child and says, this is flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, this is my heir this is this is my blood this is who i claim he says this is my son and then he says my son he was dead and i imagine he saw in his eyes i saw you know i can imagine that the younger son has got you know you've seen um, those pictures or you maybe you've experienced it in person where someone who's been on drugs or or a bit of binger, their eyes are sunk back into their head and, and there's dark gray rings around their eyes, right? And there's just a stare of nothingness. It's almost like looking into the eyes of a great white shark. You know, that just is soulless. And he sees those eyes and he says, no, this son of mine, he was dead, but he is alive. There is life in him. There is something that he has, and he has a future. And where he has been will not define who he is. But he is not just on resuscitation, not as he just on life support, but he is alive again. And he has a future because he is my son. And finally he says, he was lost. But now he's found. He has a home. He was lost. He was out in the wilderness. He was out and about. But now he is home. And so they began to celebrate. I I guarantee you that they is the son. That when he heard those three identity calls, those three names that were given to him, son, alive, and found, 
his whole world turns upside down. And so how powerful is this story? But more importantly, if you remember who's listening, it's those those people, right? The tax collectors, the sinners, the ones that no one will eat with, the ones that they will spit upon them when they get the chance. They'll, they'll talk about them bad behind their names. They are the worst of the worst. They're the ones listening. And they hear the word son. And they hear the word alive. And they hear the word found. And they know, they know I even imagine, this is me imagining, I imagine Jesus is looking right at them when he's telling this story. When he says, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again, he was lost and is found, is that he is not mixing words and he is looking straight at those tax collectors and sinners and saying, this is you. You have a future. You are my children. You have been found. And so the thing we get from the younger son is that he accepts this identity because he begins to celebrate. The next person in the story that we talk about is the father, right? And, and the things you have to remember about when, in telling this story, and, and it's just a story, right? It's not necessarily a true story that Jesus is telling. It's a parable. He's, he's sharing it with them, but he's using real culture, real context. And back then, the father, the father was the sacred, the sacred person of the family. And so um, just in this story alone, when we hear the things that when, first off, when the, when the son says, I want my inheritance, he's telling, he's telling his dad, I want, you are dead to me. I want you dead. You are, you are, you, who you are does not matter to me anymore. And so one, the disrespect just in asking for an inheritance. But then two, for the dad to give up the inheritance, his respect in the community, all the other fathers in the community would have seen this and they would have said, you have lost control of your family. He would have automatically lost um, lost any, um, any self-worth uh, in the community itself by giving the money to him. But he does. But then, what's so interesting is that we see in the story two other ways that he... Um, disrespects himself, if you will. Is the first one is that when he sees his son running down the road, which one we just have to assume that he's been watching, right? And what kind of father longs after someone who's disrespected him like that? But men didn't run back then. Respected men of the household didn't run. They paid slaves to do the running for them. They, they, they didn't exercise. They didn't do those. So those were the, the for this for the the menial menial people, the people who who had no life. Um, they did the work. They did the sweating. They did all that. It was the the father's um, position to sit on the throne, if you will, and be dignified. And so when it says that he ran to his son. That would have been an undignified thing to do. And then he throws this party for this crazy guy that took all his money. And then he, not only does that happen, but then he hears that his oldest son is now disrespecting him. He won't come to the party. He's ignoring his dad's orders. And then it says that the dad goes to the older son. So in both cases, he runs to his children. 
one who's been gone forever, one who's been present, but they both are lost. And in both times, he undignifies himself and takes the steps toward the ones who should be walking towards him. And he goes to his son and his 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 oldest son and his says, I'm not going to go after him, I'm not going to go in. Uh, I'm not, you know, how could you do such a thing? That, that, that boy, he did such horrible things to you. I've done some great things to you. And just look at the response, the response we've covered before, but what an incredible response by the father. And remember, we know the father figure is God, right? He says, my son, you, you, you've all, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. He basically says, son, you have every, you, everything you've been striving for. You've been working. You've been doing all these things around the place. And, and you haven't been enjoying what has been around you. And all you had to do was stop and recognize that I've always been here. And that everything I have, that everything is already a gift to you. You just have to stop and enjoy it. And so in both cases, when he responds to his children... The Father gives unconditional love. And sometimes when we think about this verse, we just think about the prodigal son, the younger one, he ran away. But he shows just as much unconditional love and favor to his oldest son as well. And again, this is the same response that we see in that, is that when there's people in our lives who deserve what they get, who they deserve to be punched while they're down, who deserve to be kicked, who deserve what they got because they brought it on themselves and they disrespected us. In this story, we see God saying, everything I have is yours. You are my son. You are my child. You are found. You are alive. And so in this instance, we see God saying, I love you. I forgive you. And in the last character we look at is the older son right and again we call this the, the the lost son or the prodigal son in reference to the younger son but really it's really the two lost sons right um and it's really where the older son even though he's been present with god he hasn't been present with god right and hopefully we recognize that this this is church people right these are the these are the pharisees that he's addressing here with this story this is the one he's saying hey you guys are here you're in the temple you're you're day in day out you're doing things but you're missing it you're missing god you're missing me literally jesus but i want you to see oh, i want you to see i want you to put yourself in the older son's shoes you know has there ever been that person you looked upon and said there's no way in hell is that person going to heaven, <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, whether it's something they've done to us or something we've seen, they're the people we like to talk about. They're the ones that we love to um, to belittle. They're, they're, they're the ones that maybe have done so much pain to us that we, we revel in their pain, right? That we rejoice in their pain, in their anguish. We want them to suffer because they deserve it so much. Hear this and what the older brother says. It says the older brother became angry and he refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, 
All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. One that just shows you how he sees his work. That his work with his father has never been one of uh, family, one of uh companionship one of teamship right one not not one of that i'm on board with this but i have been your slave i've never disobeyed your orders you know he's never owned that he's a part of what his dad is about right that everything about has become has become um ritualistic and something that has to be done then he goes on yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Where's mine? Where's my? You haven't. You haven't said good job, Ryan. You did such a great job. You're such a good minister. You're such a good husband. You're such a good father. Oh, praise you, praise you, praise you. We long for that, right? We. Long, I so want. I want Sarah to recognize when I clean the house. You know, I want. I want. I want to get what's coming to me, right? And then he goes on. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him, you idiot, right? Think about this. He is so angry at him that he says, but when this son of yours, he can't even say the name of his brother. He hates him so much that even to say his name... um, just brings forth vomit into his mouth. And then that's when we get the father's response who says, everything I have is yours. You know, you've always been with me. But we never know. We never know how the older son responds. We never know what happens after this, right? We know that the older son is left with a choice. A choice of what is he going to do? Is he going to come and celebrate? Or is he going to continue to separate himself from his father and his family? And so, in this story, we see three characters. We see the son, we see the father, and we see the older son. And so the first question that we ask is where... In this picture, where in this story do you see yourself right now? Because the truth is, at, at, at any point in our life, um, we, we've been one of these three, right? You know, if you find yourself being the younger son, the one who has lost their identity, that feels like there's no way, there's no way he could take me back. And then sometimes we might see ourselves as the oldest son, the one who's always been at church, the one who's always been the righteous person, the one who's always done the right things, and, and, and the one who's always stayed home. But yet deep inside there's this callousness, this anger at, at always following the rules but never seeming to get ahead, right? That I, I've done all the right things, but it always seems that everybody else gets the parties, or I, I'm look how faithful I am, and look how evil those people are over there. Or do we see ourselves as the father? And here's the thing that's interesting about this is that I believe that even though the father is the God figure, is God in this story, we are called to all at some point become the father, right? 
We're called to have people who, we're called to be the sons, the ones who return to God. We're called to be the older son who is, is called to, to accept those who have turned away. But also, we're called to be the father. We're called to be people who show unconditional love. And so, that's the challenge for you uh, today. This idea of what it, where do you see yourself in this prodigal story? And to hear the message of welcome home. Because there's many of us out there, many who would be considered tax collectors and sinners. And the Pharisees have called us all kinds of names and have kicked us out of their churches. And the things we've seen at church has tainted us for a long time. But I want you to hear that in this story, as Jesus speaks to the Pharisees and tells them who he is and why he eats with those people, he's also speaking to us. He's speaking to you. And he's saying, you are my child. You are alive and you have a future. And you have been found. Welcome home. Hope you have a great day. Grace and peace.